0: They're squirmy and wormy and purple and green. The grossest little creatures that you've ever seen. Creepy crawly. <laughs> fill the monster mold with the colored plastic goo And make a creepy crawler from my yucky monster soup. <clears> They're <throat> ucky, yucky, squirmy, wormy, very scary, sometimes hairy, squiggly, wiggly, creepy crawly. Creepy <laughs> <laughs> crawly.
1: out your sister, embarrass your dad. You can be a little creep without being bad.
0: So Creepy It's Carpenter is a two-month Halloween series featuring the best and the worst of Carpenter's horror movies, including The Fog, Ghost of Mars, Christine, and more. The Thing and They Live sold separately. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rump podcast. I'm Ryan from Cosploitation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? We are uh, very, very far into our John Carpenter series. We've done the good, the bad, the ugly. And now we're kind of in a limbo here. We've done the the best. We've done the worst. We're kind of in the middle ground territory, I feel like, for the past couple of episodes. Last time we did Body Bags, which was a pretty good Carpenter film and Toby Hooper film. And um, what did we do before that?
1: Well, yet again, you get it wrong. John Carpenter's Body Bags. Yeah.
0: What was before that? What we do? Christine? Where was that? I can't even remember. It's there's, It's been a flurry of John Carpenter movies. Is, I don't even... They're,
1: they're so good, you can't even remember. No, Prince of Darkness. John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and I love John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. So, you know... We've done the good, the bad, and the ugly. And now we're coming up to one that I, th- I have always found kind of interesting in Carpenter's Canon. One that.
1: Let's say the good, the bad, the indifferent.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. This one is kind of the indifferent Um, village of the damned.
1: John Carpenter's
0: John Carpenter's village of the damned from 1995 is a film that, you know, on the surface kind of sounds like something that Carpenter would be interested in doing. Um, You know, be. Because of the connotations of the the uh, original film, and I'm sure it played a part, some part, in developing Carpenter into you know a director and, and a fan of horror, much like you know the thing from outer space did for his remake of with the thing. But at the same time, um, watching Village of the Damned, you kind of get the feeling that this one was not a movie that was one of carpenter's like interested uh he he didn't he didn't he doesn't seem like he's invested in village of the damned and i don't know if you got that feeling as well when you were watching but i've always kind of had that feeling from the movie that it's it's a movie that he made but he's not super invested in the overall outcome of it
1: See, I've never seen this adaptation before. Mm-hmm. I've, seen the, I've seen the original before a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, never seen this one because it's kind of always been buried. I knew that he did do a remake, and I knew it was not considered to be worth the while at all. However, I will say, so far, probably out of all his films so far, this might be his most underrated. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that it's. The best. But. it does, It is kind of underrated. Because I don't think. Coming in. 20 years after the fact almost. I don't kind of see. Why this film has gotten. Kind of the. Reputation that it's got. As a poor effort. Because I don't think it's a poor effort. I'm not saying it's like. I'm not saying that it's good. I'm not saying that you know. It's as you said. Like Carpenter put him up the most effort into, but I definitely don't think this film deserves the like the 20% Rotten Tomato score. It's got.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did kind of get panned. And, um, I, I agree. Like I, and in, in, I guess in the original outset of what I was saying, kind of maybe sounds a little bit, um, disparaging, but I didn't really, I don't really mean it like that. I just seems like, you know, this isn't really one of Carpenter's, um, main focuses for a film. But I don't think that he does a terrible job with it. Um, you know, he obviously puts in the time and effort. It just doesn't feel a whole lot like a Carpenter movie. Um, and part of that might be because of the lack of synthy soundtrack or, um, you know, a, a, a focus in the the themes of the movie that don't really feel Carpenter-like. But, um, you know...
1: Cast, I to say a cast, that would be like the main thing. A cast that very much, it seems like a studio pluck them out and not under mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. You know, outside of Mark Hamill and Peter Jason. Nobody else here is like, you know, a returning uh player. Yeah. Previous carpenter films or somebody that you would associate to be in a carpenter film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it that is true too. This is a uh, more of like a, almost like a higher budget film for, um, carpenter Two. It's not, uh, like he's working with relative unknowns or or s- small time actors or or B movie actors, you know he's got Christopher Reeve and he's got, I mean, uh, not anymore, but he's got Kirstie Alley, who in the '90s was a a nice little darling, um, in films
1: which, and which is also like one of the worst parts of this film is having fucking Kirstie Alley, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that, but. Um, yeah, she doesn't really put in a great performance here. <laughs> um,
1: this isn't that Amish movie with her and Tim Allen. Right. Is, you know.
0: Uh, What is that one? Um, For Rich or for Poor? Well, I'm looking it up right now. Is that the one? Or is it uh, – or is it – um, what's um, what's the other one? I can't remember now. Oh. um, Yeah, for Rich or Poor. Yeah, yeah. for Rich or for Poor. That's what I thought, yeah. And it's no look who's talking, <laughs> um. But yeah, so I mean, I guess we'll we'll just we're gonna get right into it because I don't want to you know I don't want to just take any more time, uh, early on, you know, mincing words, trying not to get into it too far. So let's uh, we'll take our break, um, and by break I mean we'll we'll transition into our beer talk, and then. You know, we'll we'll have a a lot of time to discuss Village of the Damned in total because I do think that it is worth discussing. There's some some great moments to it uh, that we want to draw attention to, and then you know, overall, how we feel about this one being a uh, part of Carpenter's canon, even though you know it 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 seems at odds with some of the other things that he's done. So let's jump into beer talk quick. And uh, what do we got on the show today, Martin?
1: Something. Too
0: fancy for this episode. <laughs> it is fancy. It's got a. Lo- it's got a lot of ingredients. It's one of those, um, those uh, cooking beers. You know, not. It's not simple. It's got a lot of ingredients going on in it.
1: It's a beer that we, uh, well, at least a beer brewer that we've had on quite a number of times. Uh beer trees uh, and this time we're having another one of their sours I think all we've done so far in the show is their sours we haven't really done like any of their IPAs or anything
0: Mm, yeah yeah we've kind of gone gone a different approach with them
1: but this time we have uh, one of their trippy trees and their trippy trees are like uh, well known at least in this area I don't know how widespread beer tree is but it's pretty prevalent in New York because they're based on New York. But their Trippy Tree series is like a sour series that's kind of an amalgamation of different fruits that make a wonderful, delighted, heavy, high-alcohol fruit and sour. Um, And this time, uh, the trippy Tree we got is uh, mango, coconut, and pineapple fruit and sour. Yep. So you get a nice... uh, Pina colada
0: style. Yeah, it's kind of of a pina colada style thing going on. Definitely get a lot of pineapple in it. Um, Get a lot of the pineapple, and then I get a a bitterness at the end that uh, I'm told, because I I try to stay away from coconut, but I'm told it's coconut.
1: Yeah, it's coconut. It's definitely got like coconut water. Um, Pineapple. The mango is very subtle. Mm-hmm. It's not prevalent at all, but I do. I think the pineapple coconut mixer is pretty good. I enjoy this quite a bit actually. Um, I think it's a nice juicy little delight. Um, pretty drinkable for seven and a half percent. It almost is, and you know, usually these fruited sours that they make too are a little bit like heavier and more kind of time consuming for you to drink. Um, I will say. As much as I am enjoying this as a sour, I wouldn't even really consider it a sour. I would say it's just more like a fruit beer because I don't get any, like, pucker factor from it at all. Right. But that being said, I still enjoy this quite a bit. I'd give it, like, a four four out of five. It's a very – a damn good beer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's
0: pretty good. Um I'm Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of coconut, so I think that's throwing me off. Um, that's, that's part of the reason why this isn't standing out as much for me as it you should.
1: A, you need a nice mallow cup.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I just I'm not a huge fan of coconut, and, and so I think, you know, that's part of it. Um, I do like the pineapple flavor here, and the, the overall, the base of it kind of tastes like one of the more fruity um, IPAs that they've done. Um, especially with like the pineapple marshmallow flavoring, but um, you, know, you know, I do get a nice pineapple and the bitterness of the coconut. Um, it is somewhat similar to a pina colada, but although you know, it's 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 definitely uh, stands on its own as a different type of flavor. And you know, while I would I would probably try a different tri- uh, trippy tree. Um, you're right. This one's not super sour. Um, it's more like a just a fruit beer that. You know, has a a number of different ingredients in it that that kind of adds up into one unique brew. Um, but I try a different one. Um, I don't mind this one, but it's it's probably not on my top of the list for Beer Tree beers. But an interesting uh, experiment from them, and I know they have a a, a series of these, uh, all all different kinds of them, um, um, experimenting with different types of fruit in there, in their Trippy Trees. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty good. I'd probably give it like a 3.75. I didn't rate it yet, but I think I would give it around a three point seven five.
1: Bless me.
0: Cause I like it, but you know, it's not my favorite of their beers. Alright, so into Village of the Damned. So Village of the stop, Damned.
1: Stop, stop. That's the 1960 film.
0: (laughs) This one is John Carpenter's Village of the Damned. And it does do a nice dissolve there at the beginning of the movie, too. It says John Carpenter's Village of the Damned, and then John Carpenter's dissolves out. And you just get Village of the Damned.
1: Unfortunately, not in Carpenter's font. No. So that's one trademark gone.
0: Well, I don't know. This, like, like, again, that's just another example of where this film just seems like production issues, you know, like, like somebody from production came and said, like, yep, you're going to do this, 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 this. And John was getting paid for it.
1: I think the production issue is they hired Kirstie Alley and like, oh, no, her smokes. (laughs) They're going to cost a fortune.
0: Yeah, her smoking on during the, the film is not really... They just were able to grab her while she had a smoke out. Kirsty, you're on. Oh, well, oh. can I bring this with me?
1: That's why she's smoking in, like, a hospital, which I don't even know how kosher that was But by the mid-'90s, even though, yeah, you could still smoke in, like, restaurants and stuff, but I don't feel like in the mid-'90s you could get away with smoking in a hospital. Like, that would have been taboo.
0: Yeah, but the government's kind of running this So it's just like, eh, who cares You can do whatever you want
1: I'm important
0: Yeah, you can do whatever you want These babies are going to be fucked up anyway Who cares Well, Village of the Damned Is what I like to call Empathy Pass it on The movie And pass it on to these fucking alien Psychos because that's basically what the theme of the movie is
1: why don't you why don't you explain to people what that means because some people they might i get that joke
0: the the pass it on reference yeah there's a there's a series of great commercials that have varying um you know morals that they're they're uh, eschewing and they tend to have a very uh cheesy setup, very like um
1: cheesy music.
0: Yep, cheesy music. Um low budget. And 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 kind of the equivalent of like the um the posters, the motivational posters, but in you know, moving form. And um so this one I, get,
1: I got the honesty at one on right now. Oh you do? From 10 years ago, got this nice emo kid with a purse that someone left and you think he's going to be a hoodlum, but no, he's going to turn that purse back into this poor woman who's waiting get the bus. And you got the black eyed peas. Where's the love playing in the background?
0: Yeah, they're amazing. They're, this is
1: prime Obama years, people.
0: They're like um, if you're watching and you, you're you watching a, like a, a, a parody of a PSA. But they're not parodies. They're real. And they play them during movies sometimes in the movie theater, like right before the movie comes on. Well,
1: that's how we, like, saw all of those because mm-hmm. that used to be the commercials before our movies. So it's like, yep. you know, like, gratitude. Pass it on.
0: Yeah. And so that's why I refer to Village of the Damned as Empathy Pass It On because it is a very moralistic movie at its heart. Um and
1: I just love the, like watching this honesty video that the cops are ch- tracking down this emo kid carrying a purse. Like, oh, this little asshole is listening to Fallout Boy. Let's chase him. Do <laughs> you practice what you preach? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm taken away by it.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> I love it.
1: But no, this. You're right. This is empathy. Piss it on.
0: Yeah, they so the the idea of this movie is that you know, we have this village that has really come together. They are you know, when they say it takes a village, they mean the village of Midwich from this movie. Right? Cause, yeah. Cuz they are a very very close knit group of people. I You've like, got
1: I like in movies too when they have like the signs of like pop like town population and it's like on a, a a totally round number, like yeah, two thousand people. Hi, hi. We're the barbers. We're gonna move into Midway. No, no, no. We have two thousand people.
0: We'd have to change the sign. We can't have two thousand four on there.
1: No. No. Get, get the hell out of here. Um, unless, unless you're moving out the Smiths.
0: Right. Someone dies, and they're like, "We could get someone in stat. Get someone in." We can't. We can't change the sign. We can't have nineteen ninety nine on there. <laughs> So, um, this but the town of Midwich, like right away, because of that dissolved village of the damned, and it, it goes into the town square. You can see, wow, they're a close knit community. They're having a big old barbecue, like, like a Halloween all, fall barbecue. Yeah, but it's almost like Thanksgiving in those. Car- like the Charlie Brown cartoons that tried to um whitewash Thanksgiving and make sure that you know we didn't go into the whole fact that you know Native Americans died from you know <laughs> from the things that we did to them. Uh where we just all had a nice old uh turkey dinner. That's kind of what this reminds me of. It's like everybody's getting together. They're having this nice nice cookout. Literally everyone in town is coming except for a couple people who are working right now and you know you've got the 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 standard guy who's driving around in a truck who says hi to the realtor that's you know walking up to a new house and you've got a new couple that's ready to move into that house it's gonna be a perfect day you know it it's gonna be a perfect day except that it's not because for about six hours the whole town just blacks out it's like a dome is set around the town and they just completely lose consciousness and it's an interesting idea i really like the idea of this happening and then and we've seen this happen later on after village of the damned and um you know the story that it was based off of the midwitch cuckoos um you know under the dome particularly from stephen king seems extremely in- ex- inspired by village of the damned where a dome sets down around a small town and they learn to deal with it. And that's 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 kind of the idea behind Village of the Damned, except that dome doesn't really last very long. It just lasts for six hours where literally everybody in town loses consciousness and then the they find out the women folk are pregnant. All of them.
1: Every woman in town
0: that can bear a child are pregnant.
1: So what did the aliens do to the men then? They just like, oh, you're useless.
0: Don't need you. Well, maybe they attempted too. We don't really know what kind of attempts were made on these people because we don't get to see it. But maybe they were. Maybe they attempted to impregnate the men too. They're like, fuck. I don't know. Something in their physiology just ain't right. (laughs) They don't do that sort of thing, I guess. I don't know what the aliens did, but. It was uh very successful, very fertile, these aliens. Very fertile. Yeah.
1: One shots.
0: That would, yeah, it's just like, you don't even have to try. You just know. Like, there's, there's no multiple attempts at this. You just, you want a baby? You got a baby. I do really like that opening scene because there are a number of unintentionally funny scenes about it like the guy who's coming back from being out of town in his truck zooming along it's a great day i i can't wait to get back to this barbecue
1: michael perry
0: michael perry mm-hmm. he's uh he's zooming into town crosses the barrier
1: I, was, I couldn't tell you anything else that he was saying if it was, <laughs> you
0: know. yeah yeah, but he's, he's, he zooms into town and crosses the barrier. Boom. Massive explosion.
1: I, so one that Charles Bronson would be proud of from the Death Wish. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. He just all of a sudden drives off the road because he loses consciousness and explodes. It's great. It's great to have that right in the first 20 minutes. And then the other thing that I love is when everybody wakes up and they're like, that was weird, but you know what? Everything's okay. And then they see the guy who is grilling on the barbecue, just himself, a burst hot dog.
1: Which, and, I will say that, you know what, that's actually one of the bits that I liked a lot when the whole everyone passes out in town scene. Like, you, like it's, everyone's kind of fallen down in places that kind of, like, you know, you get to see, like, yeah, like what would happen, like, if this happened when you're getting in your car? Oh, you're slumped over in, like, your car, you know, trying to get into your car. Like, oh, what if... You were about to get into the bath, like, not oh, you're slumped over, you know, in the bathroom. Oh, what was happening if you were, you know, cooking hot dogs and hamburgers <laughs> at your local fair? N- not good
0: things. <laughs> yeah, not good things. But it is, a, yeah, it's a great reveal. Um, it just, it makes me laugh when I see it, because it's, like, every I, everybody's waking up, they're like, yeah, that that you know, it was super weird and all, but... I guess we're okay. We're okay. And then they see the guy on the grill. Like,
1: oh, what's that smell? Oh, someone burnt the burgers. God damn it. Todd. Yeah. Burned the burgers again. No wonder why no one lets you near the grill. Oh.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That I was is, like,
1: That is Todd, that's burning.
0: That yeah, that guy that poor guy. They were like, You know what, Todd, you're gonna man the grill today. He's like, Perfect. I wanted to last year. No one let me do the grill. I get to do
1: it this year. And then he, Mark Hamill said I was too enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't allowed to, but that is—I really do like that—you know—that shot where, you know, where they go through town and it is pretty eerie.
0: It has that nice sinister quality to it that that Carpenter does really well.
1: But you're right; it is kind of slightly ruined by like, oh, what happened three minutes ago? Oh, um, yeah, the truck foot veering off a road and then fucking exploded, you know. In comical fashion,
0: yeah. But all of this brings Kirsty Alley in because it's almost like epidemic proportions, and she's coming in to figure out what's going on. And Which
1: Christopher. Pretty Reeve, weird that the government's already like that quickly already involved. Yeah, they're like, you know, they're what? Already, already sending down a top epidemiologist, and they're like marking a white line, like, "Hey, if you pass here, you're through here. Uh, you just faint."
0: Yep, they're like, hmm, we've heard that uh, a whole town has, has fallen silent. Let's get out there right away. Get out there. So, right then, you would think Christopher Reeve is like, got to be thinking, like, what the fuck's going on here? Why are they sending an epidemiologist right away? He's a doctor. He should know. That seems weird. But luckily, Christopher Reeve was out of town on business. So, when he comes back. He's concerned about his wife, of course, his wife being uh the realtor who unfortunately probably hates her life because they dressed her in the frumpiest outfits that they could find. <laughs> this poor lady, not, not I mean, she has she's wearing like just things that make her look you know 60 years old, like frumpy vests, and
1: that was the style of the 90s. I
0: don't know. Poor lady. No wonder she later on kills herself. Jumps off a cliff. I can't take it anymore. My wardrobe is driving me insane. But the interesting thing about um, Village of the Damned is like right after that initial, um, you know, reveal of what happened. They're, the film moves pretty quickly through time. So... They find out, oh, something weird happened. Then a little bit later, Christopher Reeves going through his paperwork saying, what the fuck did I? Do I have like a repeat of the same people's tests? I have like 15 positive pregnancy tests here. What could be going on? And uh, literally uh, every woman's coming to him like, mm, I think
1: I'm pregnant. Feel, got that morning sickness, Doc. No, no, that's not it.
0: Yeah, one of the ladies says um, it's just a stomach bug or something. She's she's definitely not pregnant. But um, it moves pretty quickly through that where you, you you find out, you know, okay, now the whole town's pregnant. And then um, after that, you get a nice town hall where Kirstie Alley takes over and is like, hey, guess what? If you guys decide that you want to keep your children, and I don't know where this came from, who says you can't keep? Wh- wh- what's the other alternative? You're keeping the child. There is no other alternative. You keep the child or you keep the child. It's divine.
1: I will say, you know, that's also too, like a nice little, you know, progressive nod because, you know, they're all realizing, like, hold oh, on, you. Children that you have are Pro- not pregnant at the same time, yeah. Is there, of, of, the, they're, of the blackout? Um, so, they're probably gonna
0: be weird, <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know, if you need to terminate the pregnancy, if you feel fit, that's fine, you know. But the government's gonna be giving you three thousand dollars and take care of, you know, all your health expenses,
0: yeah, three thousand dollars a month, a month.
1: You know, and then if you're willing to have it, and then I like the best, the best part too that is that the one guy is like, yeah. What if you're if it's not just one person, if it's two people, like your wife and daughter, and they're like, then you get six thousand dollars. He's like, yeah, you're having those fucking kids. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
0: the, the way that he turns to his wife and, and his daughter and is like, mm, six thousand dollars. Yeah, there was like no question. Like you're you're not terminating those babies. I need six thousand dollars. Yeah, I love that guy. That guy uh, was great.
1: He's got, he's, got, he's got loan sharks to pay off. He's been gambling a bit too much, going down to Reno every weekend, you know, betting the wrong numbers. Now he's got, you know, like, yeah! Dad's problems are all solved. No, those, that money supposed to go to the kid. No, 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 no. Dad's got a gambling, you know? <laughs> Addiction to feed.
0: And then pretty quickly after that, you know, you've got, They're having the babies.
1: Which, too, also, too, sorry to cut you off, but I will say, too, that's also, like, a very interesting and kind of, you know, progressive thing for Carpenter to have when they're talking about it. Like, outside of that little bit, and Christopher Reeve as a doctor explaining, like, well, no, you don't necessarily need to get abortions because everything's coming up fine. Everything's fine. You know, it's all, like, everything that we're getting is from the female perspective on, like... What should we do? I don't know. Should we keep it? I don't know. Should we keep it? You know, it's not like <clears throat> being told through the lens of, you know, Christopher Le- Christopher Reeve and uh, Mark Hamill.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that they even have Kirstie Alley's character bring up the fact that they, are, they don't need to have it. Because you would think that the government, especially, you know, how she turns out to be later on, show, showing, like, some of the the ulterior motives of the government here i'm surprised they gave that option at all but i um i think that the the way that the film moves quickly through that stuff and and by about the half hour mark um we've already pretty much gotten through um all of the initial information about the pregnancies and we've eventually get to i think Probably about thirty minutes in, we get to actual um, birth of those children. One of them getting whisked away by Kirsty Alley. Still born. Yep for uh, for testing, and the rest of them all going into labor all at the same time. And then you know the the kids are born, and and the film kind of transitions away from like the young parts of childhood to like them being like two or three. Um, where you can see that they're kind of weird, they're different, they're excelling at a very rapid rate.
1: All I was thinking of, too, when like, we got the scene of Mark Hamill baptizing all the children because he's the village reverend, just, oh my god, how fucking long and inundated that fucking baptism would be.
0: Yeah, right. You have to do every single kid.
1: Just fucking sitting there listening to him I have to go through the prayers and everything and be like, Oh my god.
0: Just, Just put all the kids in a bucket and pour the water over them.
1: Just do what John Wayne did. throw a kid yeet a kid into the river.
0: Just do it that's all at the all, same time.
1: Oh, uh, it's all I was thinking of. Just like, oh thank God. Thank God I don't have friends there. Okay. Hey, 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 it's uh time for my kids' communion. Right? <laughs> right.
0: All of these damn kids have to be baptized too. They don't have anybody that's of a different faith. Yeah.
1: That's another thing too. They got he's supposed to be a they call him Reverend Mark Hamill. But he's dressed up in priest gear. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: John Carpenter's missing his face his branches of uh Christianity out there. I guess so. I don't care for and Mark Hamill is also mustacheless.
0: Right. Yeah. The, now that we've seen him in body bags, it's we've, hard to go they, back to mustacheless yeah, Mark Hamill.
1: You're right. We've, excuse me, seen Mark Hamill in body bags.
0: <laughs> I gotcha.
1: Ass naked, humping away.
0: Um. So once the kids are born, um, there's that... Nice. There's a few nice moments, actually, like right when they're born where, you know, you're starting to see that they're a little weird. And the the best one is that the the young girl who um, is uh, Christopher Reeve's daughter, who uh, forces her mother to put her hand into the boiling water. She's making soup. It's like, honey, how's the soup? Is it a little too hot? And she's like, yeah, it was fucking too hot. I'm going to burn the shit out of your arm now. Why don't you feel it? It's a great moment. It's, um, I think one of the most effective moments in village of the damned done very well by, um, Karen Kahn putting her arm into the boiling water and the, uh, the daughter when she's that age reminds me of Lauren, our, uh, Friend's daughter. I don't know why. But she does. It's just, uh, that little girl has a great expression on her face when she does that.
1: Yeah, all the child actors in this are pretty good. Yeah. They're actually, you know, very... I will say the only bad... One of the things they should not have held over from the original film is the haircut for the children. Mm. At least the girls. Because it looks stupid as...
0: (laughs) The the white bowl cut.
1: You know, like... Not even bowl cut, mushroom cut, like, yeah. You know, like, like at least like the boys' haircut. Like, okay, it makes sense even still. But like, even that's like, ugh, like, can't you have them like you know, I don't know, Just something else? Guess not. So, uh,
0: what do you think about once the kids get older? Because they, I mean, it quickly you know they they show the kids younger but then they quickly go into the kids are older they're now like of school age and they're basically being taught by Christopher Reeve um whatever he can teach them because they just pull out encyclopedias and like read through it in record time um what do you think about when they're of older age is that more effective for the film
1: it is but i don't think they it's not explored enough it's very just very surface level, like their whole, when we, by, when we get to that part, I think like the most, in, intriguing part of this film, and most engaging part of this film, is the, is those first 30 minutes, where we're, how does, like, okay, we have this mystery, there's this mystery unfolding, and it's involving like, you know, these people becoming pregnant, and then like, they're giving birth, and then the children they have, <clears throat> it's very interesting, I think very well executed by the time it gets to this I think the child actors do a really good job with what they're given with but I think it speeds through way too much way too quick with like it's trying to tell that it that it's not as like um, it's not as engaging like I think I think more if we they weren't focused on like well we got to kill somebody here we got to kill somebody there like you don't have to have like these aliens even kill people. You can just have them, like, the you know, the disengagement that they have from humanity and then, like, how that disengagement that they have from humanity and be unsettling to the people in town be, like, the crux of, like, the plot, you know? Like, the crux of the film, essentially, instead of, like, you know, oh, we have to have them, like, you know, kill drunken janitor here or whatever, you know? Like actually show the rest of them because we get to see like David slightly throughout the film, like you know, show that he's got more empathetic connections. But if the film was more focused on like them just being like, no, we're here to like set up colonies on Earth, and like so we're trying to adapt more to Earth, and then like you know they're you know thinking everything very logically, like a, like you know like a Spock, and then like how David. You know, reacts to that, and then how the rest of the people in town react to that, and have that be kind of like the crux of the film. That would be more interesting because that still would lead to at the end of the film, like where, you know, like you would still have at that point these people saying, "Oh, like I can't deal with these children anymore. Like, you know, I can't connect to them. Like, this isn't my child." And like uprising, and then like having like you know, their telepathic powers act. Then, you know, that that would be more. Uh, interesting, I think, because I think the whole part where they're just telepathically taking over people and then sending them to death for no reasons, kind of, it's a little tedious.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, ultimately, <clears throat> that's part of what the film is about. Is um, you have these kids, and they don't resemble you, not physically, but mentally, emotionally. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with feeling like you don't know who your child is or or what to do with them? And I think ultimately that is what Village of the Damned is about is, you know, sometimes the, the kids that you have can feel alien to you. You don't really know why, but it just happens. And they didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't take after you and, and dealing with that is often difficult, or or dealing with the the consequences of having children that um, rebel against you, and you don't really know what to do with them. Um, quite literally, in Village of the Damned, they're alien creatures, but the metaphor is there. And I think, um, you know, uh, the little boy, uh, the one that actually makes it out and they are able to kind of get him to empathize with humanity. It's uh, you know, a stand in for
1: it's uh David.
0: David, yeah. It's a stand in for trying to live with that um and trying to do the best you can to manage uh with a child that might be difficult or um in this case in 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 Village of the Damned ending which I always find can be open-ended here. Like, is it grim? Is it uh, uplifting? Like, are we looking at a brighter future? Um, Carpenter doesn't really decide for us. It's like, you know, the future is up in the air based on what can be done with David, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, And I think it really comes down to, like, that that ending kind of pulls it all together because it is a very dark ending the literally the end of the movie is we can't deal with these kids or aliens there's nothing left to do we have to blow them up with a bomb that we bring in and by the
1: way which by the way how did why the fuck was there like high explosives like crated away in this town
0: they just yeah just in case one time how'd, they needed them
1: how did christopher reeve get his hands on that like you know
0: Yeah, just, you know.
1: Or let alone know how to make a a suitcase bomb.
0: All close-knit communities have a bomb stashed away somewhere, just in case.
1: A bomb maker just like, oh, you want to make a suitcase bomb? Okay, you
0: know. Yeah, but, um, you know, I think that the ending ending is interesting. How do you feel about it? Do you think that the ultimate feeling is meant to be of... You know, like this was a mistake. As David drives away, or and they're going to start a new life, or is it meant to be? Well, you know what, Dave, maybe David can change. Maybe he can be different.
1: I, 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 it's left up to interpretation, because she, because he could go either way. Uh, I think, though, I, I, I I'm trying to think. I think oh no! What I was gonna say. I think that um, the film shoehorns a little too late the whole idea of throwing up mental walls and like how like this is how you kind of don't have them like you know read your mind by mental walls. It's not like explored enough, and it's too late in the film where it's introduced because it's kind of like a, like it's supposed to be like an aha moment but it's a r- realistically a no shit moment Like, you mean to tell me these people have never thought to like you know like their minds just literally roaming out in space so like every time they're in front of their kids like oh no every thought of like that could possibly read is just there they never thought to like just like in their head like I'm gonna read Caesar like you know and kind of go through that
0: yeah, I mean, I like the the idea of having the brick wall cuz it 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 gives the um I guess a realistic ending because you you kind of have to
1: The fact though that it's a literal a literal brick wall though too at the end for uh, that Chris Reeve throws up and they have that like showing is so on the nose and so like like, again, like, when we... Because the first one, when we see him, like, imagining waves on a, a beach, you couldn't do that again, like, or have something different. You literally had to have a, a metaphorical brick wall be there.
0: And then they break through it, basically, yeah. driving Christopher Reeve insane.
1: Yeah, you, you couldn't have a a different, like, a, like, something else as a metaphor. You had to have, like, here's, you know... Here's his brick wall, yeah. You know. But it is a good idea because it's one like one of the things in Knights of the Old Republic 2. One of your uh, party members, At and Rand, who you find out later through conversation trees that he's actually uh, been trained to kill Jedi. And one of the things that he teaches you throughout the game is... like One of the skills you learn from him is... like. I know how to throw up mental walls in my mind so Jedi can't read them. And he says, I play Pizak in my head, which is a card game, basically like 20 Star Wars version of Blackjack. And then he goes through and shows you, like, this is how you play Pizak in your head to keep you from reading your thoughts. Really cool. Same idea p- applies here, but I think it's, you know, uh, too on the nose. It's too, you know, throwing it in your face. like, yes, yeah, you need to do. Mm-hmm. Could have been more subtle.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the I like the ending with the bomb, though, and it actually is kind of uh, hinted at earlier on with Kirstie Alley because she's like, you know what? The government's blown up pretty much every other uh, village like yours. They had to, you know, no, no one's really been able to survive with this. So, you know, just to, just just letting it out there. We'll probably have to do the same with you guys, <laughs> you know, Um, so it's kind of foreshadowed, but. I do. I mean, it's pretty grim. You have a you're you're keeping a school full of young children, uh, kind of just sitting there until the bomb can go off. It's a, it's a great moment, um, and you know, not something that's normally done in horror movies. Kind of spare the children. All right, so. What about um Carpenter's score here? We don't really talk about that, but
1: I'm gonna give it a ten on ten because he collaborated. With, uh he collaborated with uh Dave Davies, who's uh a member of the Kinks, the Godfather of the Power chord So
0: I did not know that the Dave Davies thing
1: that he was the Godfather of the Power chord or that he worked on the score,
0: all of it. <laughs> but uh, also, I, I didn't know that he. Yeah, he worked on the score because that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, why him on this score particularly? I
1: couldn't, I couldn't tell you why. I didn't know that either. Does looking up uh, at after the facts? I don't remember seeing his name in the credits. Maybe it was there, but.
0: Well, the score itself is uh, way, like, it has very, very little synth in it at all. It's actually more guitar strums, like, you know, small town uh, guitar strumming.
1: Which is great, because it's just like, you know, these nice uh, little, like, do, 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 do. It's like those old Esteban commercials, remember those Esteban commercials of him selling his guitars on, in between football games? Yeah.
0: That's
1: yeah, it's what, it. that's what it sort of feels like. Uh.
0: Yeah, it's not really imposing for the soundtrack, but it's, um, y- you know, it does have its moments. I just, it's probably not one of Carpenter's best scores, in my opinion, and and it doesn't Like the score itself doesn't really stand out in this one. I don't really find that it's memorable.
1: No, it's uh, outside of like the fact that there is, uh, there is that uh acoustic guitars thrown in. It's not real very very memorable it's very by the numbers carpenter on um, it's like is the score
0: so how do you think village of the damned rates with some of the other carpenter works that we've seen um you know especially ones that were not one more of his popular releases do you think um village of the damned is really as bad as uh what some of like the ratings have have given it or you know is it is a little bit more um, underrated
1: I mean it's low tier Carpenter but it's not this film does not deserve the lowest praise that it's gotten because I, honestly it is a very adeptly shot film it does look very good Carpenter's artistic style I think it's there and I think he does a really good job framing and shooting the film I think it's got a lot of good ideas. I think he would be kind of the right person to do a remake of Village of the Damned. I think, however, because of the fact that it's bogged down by the fact that it's a studio production of the mid-90s, it looks, especially today, terribly like, like a TV film. Um, the casting in it doesn't feel right. Again, I, I think Christopher Reed does an all right job, but I don't think he... He doesn't do anything noteworthy. I think Kirstie Alley is... Totally miscast. Mark Hamill, I mean, he's just kind of there. I mean, he's barely in it. I mean, I think everybody in this film, cast-wise, is kind of out of place and kind of there because they have a little cachet. Um, the children, you know, I think are, do a very good job. I, I, Like I said, I think if given another crack at it, he could have done a much better job with this film because I think the, the artistic license is there. I just don't. I don't think 1995 was a good time to make this film because it it, it just doesn't look like I said. It looks like a ninety, like a mid 90s TV film, kind of like how vampires did. It's got that same look and feel and the same style and the same kind of like totally <clears throat> 90s miscast where you're kind of like. Why the fuck is Stephen Baldwin here? Daniel Baldwin, the fucking <laughs> Baldwin brother, it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I
0: agree. I think it's like it is definitely lower tier Carpenter. Um, it's still it's not a bad movie. You know, I've seen this one probably like three or four times now, and I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, it may be one of his uh, his worst movies, but um, I do think that it gets a bad rap. Um, it's, it's worthwhile to watch. I think it does a pretty good job of, of what it, you know, what it sets out to do. Um, so I, I, I think it gets a worse rap than it really deserves. Um, so I guess that kind of leads us into rating the film. So on a scale of zero to 10 burnt burgers, what do you give village of the damned?
1: I'd give it a six and a half. Like I said, it's not a bad film. I think it's very. It's a very. Like, if this wasn't a John Carpenter film, you'd say. This is a very okay, accepting film. Um, I think because John Carpenter's name is attached to it, it kind of is why people probably had better. Bigger expectations for it. Is it as good as the original Village of the Damned? No. I think it's. Hart was in the right place. I think he had the opportunity. I don't think, though, he would have ever been given the license kind of say with the thing to kind of do what he wanted. Because I don't think in a perfect world Mark can't... I mean, that he would have wanted to have, like, Christopher Reeve in this film or to have Kirstie Alley. Because Kirstie Alley, though she's not bad in this film, she's very, like, obtuse and annoying, just chain-smoking her way throughout the film... It kind of just being a slight annoyance. I think, like again, I think too, especially with the aesthetics of the mid-90s, I don't think the Village of the Damned kind of fits the style of the time. I I think it definitely could have used, especially if a studio was going to touch it, waiting later, like today, like a modern adaptation of Village of the Damned would probably be much more appropriate. Um... Because it just comes off as, even though at the time this would be like a middling budget film for the mid-90s, it comes across as very cheap. Even though it doesn't look cheap, it just kind of has a cheap feeling to it. Like you would expect to see this on like a dinner and a movie. But I will say the best part of this film is the first 30 minutes. It's the most engaging, that whole build up to the mystery, what's going on. Why is this town wiped out and blacking out? What's happening? All these people become pregnant. And the lead up to that is the most interesting part of the film. After that, the rest of the last 60 minutes is okay, but it's kind of meandering. I think it would have done better if they weren't as much focused on having these telepathic psycho-alien babies trying to kill people for no reason. Instead of kind of like the whole crux of the film is focusing on the difference between the aliens and humanity trying to find that humanity if they're more focused on that it would have made it for a much more interesting and engaging film
0: so what was your score six and a half. Oh, six and a half. yeah i'd probably give it a seven i think it's a pretty good movie um to watch just for fun i think that um you know christopher reeve does a pretty good job kirstie alley not so much but um you know they they put in some work here and i think the kids do a pretty good job uh, especially when they're later on in the movie um the the one girl that's the main ringleader i think is is uh pretty chilling um yeah but i think you're right the the best parts of this are the lead up to it rather than having the kids themselves um the lead up to what's going on what's happening what's this the science fiction thing that's taking place in our our community is the best um of this movie and Um, later on, I think that it runs a little long with the, the way that they, um, focus on the children and how they lack empathy and stuff like that. It's kind of like hammered in a little too much. Um, I like the ending. The ending has a nice, um, you know, grim element to it of blowing up a little, uh, school of children. And, uh, there's that nice open ended element with David where you don't, you don't really know where, what the film was going for like it's specifically and it's intentionally left open-ended so you don't know exactly what carpenter meant by that um which i i like to have in in these movies you can either have it be very grim or you know more uplifting i prefer grim but other people like feel-good stories so you get both um so i think it's 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 a pretty good movie um it does definitely doesn't get the recognition that it deserves in some elements and um you know i think it's a pretty good adaptation of the original that changes things around just enough to make it stand out from its predecessor it doesn't seem like it's just a shot for shot remake of of the original Um, so i think it's you know it's a pretty solid entry not one of carpenter's best but a good attempt anyway and next week we're gonna take on one of Carpenter's worst. actually. you've not seen it. I have not. seen it, The Ward. It is. It was not good the one time that I saw it. So we'll see how I how I feel about it now.
1: We've been surprised rough, so
0: That's true. Maybe I'll end up saying, "Wow, what was I thinking? I, that was actually a pretty good movie." I'm uh, interested to to check it out. Um, so certainly tune in for that as we continue our Carpenter Month. And I think that's the last one, right? The word is the technically the last movie that we have on our, our schedule.
1: And then we got one more to do after that. Yep.
0: So stick with us. You can subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app you can think of. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, anchor.fm our home base subscribe to us leave us a nice review it always helps us out we're on facebook and twitter search for us on there blood and black Rum podcast we have an email address at blood and black at gmail.com where you can write to us let us know what you like what you don't like uh, any movies that you want to recommend to us and we'll definitely keep that in mind and you can donate to us on our patreon page at patreon.com slash blood and black podcast or you can donate on apple podcasts or um, there's a few ways that you can donate to us now so Anything that you can give helps us spend it on beer, so we appreciate that. So thanks for listening to our episode on Village of the Damned. We're going to be back next week with The Ward, continuing our Carpenter series, and we hope to see you then.
1: Take care.